Welcome to another episode of the Bible Podcast. Today we're going to be reading the book of Ruth. And as many of you may know, the book of Ruth only contains four chapters. So we're going to be covering the whole book today. Um, um, many people ask what's, what this book is about. Um, I pretty much summarize it to... Um, It's pretty much about the huge impact that loyalty, kindness, and love can have on us and the people around us. Um, Who wrote this book? Um, We don't know who wrote this book, but it was probably written after David became king, since he's mentioned in the last sentence of the book. Uh, This book happened sometime between 1300 and 1100 B.C., And the story of Ruth takes place during the period of the judges. Um, A different perspective to have on this book of Ruth is uh, to think about it in that God didn't ask Boaz to be a hero, but just to do what he knew was right. In the same way, God is asking us today to fulfill the responsibilities he has given us when we do we can have a huge impact on our immediate families as well as future generations. Uh, Before we begin reading, I wanted to start out with a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you that your love is so personal, that you created me and that there is only one of me. You set your eyes on me from the beginning. You created me with a purpose and you promise to work out all the plans you have for my life. Thank you that you are a faithful God, that all throughout scripture, time and time again, you showed your faithful love to your people. Lord, remind me in moments of doubt that you will never abandon me, for I am your unique workmanship. I am yours. I am your creation. Lord, Help me to not compare myself to others. You created me just as I am, and you view me as your masterpiece. Help me to see myself the way that you see me, not as the world sees me. Remind me that you have given me everything I need to work out the plans you have set before me. Help me remember that if you have called me to it, you have also equipped me for it. Thank you for your word as my guide, the lamp unto my feet, and and for the Holy Spirit as my helper. Allow us to rest in the confidence that you will finish what you begin in us. We worship you, Lord, praising you for your everlasting love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, chapter one of Ruth. Elimelech moves his family to Moab. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Erphathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. 
Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malone and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Naomi and Ruth returned. Then Naomi heard in, the, in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland with her two daughters-in-law. She set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, Why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And then again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and therefore, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of the men continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The woman asked. Don't call me Naomi. She responded, instead, call me Mara. For the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. <clears throat> so in verses 6 to 22 of uh Chapter 1 of Ruth, here we see the painful beginnings of true spiritual renewal. In choosing to leave Moab, Naomi was turning back toward Israel, seeking help in the direction of the God of her fathers. She accepted reality of her situation, shown by the fact that she advised her daughters-in-law to return to their families. Naomi knew that she would be unable to support them in the years ahead, but she also knew that in sending them away, she was dismissing her last vestige of support and security. As bleak as the situation was, Naomi was willing to summon the courage to build a new life. 
Too often, our desire for short-term security prevents us from stepping out in faith. We cling to people and things that help us feel secure. This, however, can keep us from seeking God and surrendering to Him. As a result, we often miss God's best for us. Ruth's desire in verses 16 through 18 to remain close to Naomi was actually a step of faith. Naomi had no financial security, no family members nearby or support uh, for support or protection. By staying with Naomi, Ruth was cutting herself off from her own family, land, and culture. She was essentially committing her life into God's hands. After making her commitment to Naomi, Ruth stood by her, doing all she could to provide food and help for her mother-in-law. Committing ourselves to spiritual renewal is not easy, is not an easy road. We must realize this before we begin. Otherwise, we will be tempted to give up when things get tough. But as with Ruth, sticking to our commitments will always yield great rewards in the long run. Chapter 2. Ruth Works in Boaz's Field Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who was kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, All right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, Who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, She is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay right right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young woman working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young woman not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked them warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over here and help yourself to some food. 
You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her, and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day, and she beat up out the grain that evening. It filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from the meal. Where did you gather all the grain today? Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, The man I worked today with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of the, our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, What's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's field and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer, and all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. So here in chapter 2, we must never forget that God is in charge of our lives. Ruth was guided by God into Boaz's field. Though at the time she was unaware of it, Naomi recognized the fact of God's guidance later on. Throughout this story, God was working behind the scenes. Whether the people involved recognized it or not, God often works the same way with us. He leads us to meet people and make decisions that make all the difference for us. It is only later that we begin to see how God has been leading us along. Knowing that God works in this way should encourage us as we face the challenges and unknowns in our lives. In verses 4 through 17, this passage beautifully demonstrates God's guidance in the ordinary decisions of life. Naomi and Ruth needed food, so Ruth went in search of it. As she stepped out in faith, preserving in her commitment to Naomi, God provided what she needed, a place to gather grain in an atmosphere of safety and respect. God told her, God led her to the field of Boaz, a man of outstanding character, honest and willing to help others without demanding anything in return. When we experience such fortunate coincidences and helpful new relationships in life, we need to take the time to thank God for His provision.
chapter 3, Ruth at the Threshing Floor. One day Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you, so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor. But don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he laid down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth. She replied, spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter. Boaz exclaimed, you are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you, very well, let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning. But she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, No one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to her, Bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to the town. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, What happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her, and she added, He gave me these six scoops of barley and said, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, Just be patient, my daughter. Until we hear what happens, the man won't rest until he has settled things today. So here in chapter 3, in verses 1 through 7, Naomi's plan to find a husband for her daughter-in-law may seem a little strange to us. Her plan, however, was based upon a scriptural provision for the protection of widows. God had assigned the responsibility of caring for a widow to the dead husband's brother or near relatives, like we saw in Deuteronomy. Since Boaz was a near relative to Ruth's dead husband, he was responsible for helping her. Ruth trusted Naomi's advice and took another courageous step of faith and obedience. Following God's plan for rebuilding her life, God provides direction in His Word. 
But this doesn't mean the fulfillment of His will for our lives is automatic. With faith and obedience, we need to use the keys He gives us to bring about His will in our lives. In verses 6 through 14, this passage is one of the great biblical examples of how the truth, clear personal boundaries, and self-respect can protect people who are in a settling of temptation. Both Ruth and Boaz, though in a delicate and compromising situation, chose to do what was right. They refused to yield to the temptation of the moment. They considered the long-term consequences of sexual activity outside the bounds of marriage. Notice how Boaz showed an unselfish concern for Ruth's safety and her reputation. Earlier, Boaz had provided abundantly for the short-term needs of Ruth and Naomi. But now that the harvest was over, he gave them additional provisions. Naomi recognized in Boaz's generous gifts a willingness on his part to be responsible for Ruth. According to the stipulations of God's law that we see in Deuteronomy, God provided for Naomi and Ruth through his wise laws and by sending a man who was willing to obey them. God also has given his word to us for guidance. We need to follow through on his plan if we hope to help others grow spiritually or preserve our own spiritual gains. Ruth chapter 4 Boaz marries Ruth Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there. Just then the family redeemer he had mentioned came by. So Boaz called out to him, Come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called ten leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, You know Naomi, who came back from Moab. She is selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away, because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, All right, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz told him, Of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeemed the land. I cannot do it. Now in those days, it was the custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal as he said to Boaz, You buy the land. Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, You are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon, 
and with the land I have acquired Ruth and Moabite, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nations of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of your ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah, the descendants of Boaz. So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When she slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Then the woman of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law, who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor woman said, Now at last Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. This is the genealogical record of their ancestor, Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David. Here in chapter 4, verses 1 through 10, as we watch Boaz negotiate, it is clear that he was a wise and shrewd man. He did not lie or manipulate the circumstances, though he clearly sought a specific outcome. Boaz wisely anticipated the greedy response of Naomi's closer kinsman. This other man wanted the inheritance of Ruth's dead husband but had no desire to care for Ruth or father her children and care for them. When faced with the facts, he saw that the economic advantages of taking Ruth's case were limited. Marrying her might even be financially detrimental. He did not want to be held accountable to God's law and the economic loss it might entail. We must be careful not to seek only the advantages of our in our relationships. We must also accept the responsibilities. Like Boaz, we need to seek what is best for the people close to us. The story of Ruth and Naomi starts with loneliness and destitution, but it ends happily. Naomi, who had lost her family, had a family once again. Ruth, who had lost her husband and all hope of a prosperous future, was given a husband, a son, and a hope for the future. It is interesting to note that Ruth's sacrificial lifestyle brought a new life, not only to herself and Naomi, but to all of us. Boaz and Ruth's son was named Obed, 
and he became the ancestor of Jesus Christ, who has provided the means for all of us to be redeemed from sin and receive newness of life. Hidden in his family tree is powerful evidence that God uses fallible people to bring about his goodwill. Perez was the first of David's ancestors mentioned. He was the legitimate son of Judah and his daughter-in-law, Tamar, as we saw back in Genesis. Boaz was the son of Salmon, whose wife was Rahab, the prostitute of Jericho. Then Ruth was a foreigner of Moab, from Moab, not even one of God's chosen people. God used these people, far from ideal according to human standards, to bring about the birth of Israel's greatest king, David, and the world's only savior, Jesus Christ. Knowing this truth should give us hope. No matter how sordid or painful our past, God can use us significantly if we are willing to put ourselves in His hands. Before we get into the summary of the book of Ruth, I wanted to talk a little bit about Boaz and the strength of kindness. We've all heard the story countless times, the rich, older businessman, the gorgeous but penniless younger woman. One of two things usually happens, either the aging tycoon takes what he wants from the young beauty and discards her, or the scheming young gold digger uses all her wiles to extract millions for herself. Except that it doesn't always happen this way. The story of Boaz and Ruth follows the now familiar script through the introduction, but then it takes a sharp and refreshing turn. Boaz and Ruth live during the times of the judges, an unsettling era for ancient Israel in which lawlessness reigned and relationships between men and women could quickly spiral out of control. Ruth had married a young Israelite when then living with his parents in her native Moab. When Ruth's husband died prematurely, her mother-in-law, Naomi, decided to return to Israel. Naomi urged Ruth to stay in her homeland, but Ruth refused, replying with some of the most famous words in the Old Testament, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Ruth 1.16 Yet Ruth's courageous decision to leave for Israel meant almost certain hardship for them both. In that day, unattached females enjoyed almost no legal protection, and a young foreign woman likely would have to endure all kinds of indignity. If some rich or powerful man wanted to take advantage of her, who would stop him? One day, the beautiful and vulnerable Ruth wandered into the fields of just such a rich and powerful landowner. The man immediately took notice of her and asked his foreman, Who is that young woman over there? 
Sounds familiar, right? But here the quote-unquote typical part of the story ends. Instead of taking advantage of a defenseless young woman, Boaz protected and provided for her. He saw to it that she received kid glove treatment and even told her that he had warned his men not to bother her. When Ruth returned home with far more provision than expected and told Naomi that a man named Boaz had helped her, the older woman exclaimed, May the Lord bless him. Naomi described Boaz as a close relative and declared, You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. How right she was. Within a few months, God brought Boaz and Ruth together as husband and wife. In time, he blessed the couple with a son named Obed. The boy grew up to father his own son, Jesse, who in turn became the father of King David. The kindness of Boaz showed to a defenseless woman not only changed Naomi's bitter spiritual outlook, but also led to a reward beyond all imagining. Boaz became a direct ancestor of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. So Ruth's story takes place during the time of the judges, when all kinds of wickedness is filling the land of Israel. The book opens with a married couple, Elimelech and Naomi, leaving their hometown to escape a famine. They they settle in pagan Moab across the Jordan River. After they and their two sons get to Moab, the sons do the very thing Moses warned them against. They marry women who worship other gods. Eventually, Elimelech and his sons die, leaving Naomi and her Moabite daughters-in-law to fend for themselves. Naomi is in dire straits. As a widow with no offspring, there's no way for her to be provided for, especially not in a foreign land that has no rules for providing for widows like Israel does. Fortunately, she gets word that the famine is over, so she packs her bags. She tells her pagan daughters-in-law to go back home where they can start over. Orpah goes home, but Ruth makes a shocking decision. She attaches herself to a destitute, depressed widow and leaves her country to move to a foreign land. As she's making this commitment to Naomi, Ruth invokes an oath to God and refers to him as Yahweh. This lets us know that something has happened in her heart. Her allegiance has transferred from her pagan gods to Naomi's God. They make it back to Bethlehem, but Naomi is bitter. She thinks God is mistreating her. She has no idea what's in store. Even as she complains, God, God's blessings are on their way and every detail of timing and placement is orchestrated for her good. She sends Ruth to work in the field of a relative, relying on God's law that the Israelites must not reap the perimeters of their fields so the poor and sojourners can gather along the edges. Naomi's relative, landowner, Boaz, sees Ruth working and asks about her. 
he he's way out of her league she's a foreign widow and he's a wealthy leader in the community but her work ethic and kindness catch his eye her beauty may be implied but boaz only ever praises her character he says her reputation of love humility and grace precedes her and he treats her with an extra dose of generosity even more than the law requires Naomi realizes there's potential and plays matchmaker. She tells Ruth to stop dressing like a widow and sends her to see Boaz at night. There's a lot of amb- ambiguity here. Maybe she uncovers his feet so they'll get cold and it'll wake him up. But some scholars point out that the word feet is often a euphemism for a man's private parts. It's possible Naomi sent Ruth to seduce Boaz, but given the way scripture continues to describe them both as upright and virtuous, we should likely conclude that they refrain from anything inappropriate. In fact, Boaz calls Ruth a worthy woman. The phrase used in Proverbs 31 verse 10 in reference to a virtuous woman or an excellent wife. Ruth basically proposes marriage to Boaz. He's interested but says there's a problem. According to the laws of Leveret marriage, someone else has the right of first refusal. Boaz makes an oath that if the man who is a closer relative says no, he'll marry her. Then he gives her more food and sends her home promising to find a solution. He goes to the local gathering spot and fills the other guy in. The guy isn't interested because whoever redeems a widow is responsible for giving her an heir. And this guy doesn't want to diminish his kid's inheritance by having more offspring. Boaz marries Ruth, they have a child, and everyone is thrilled. This family displays God's heart to bring in the outsider. Boaz's mom is Rahab, the Canaanite prostitute who left her pagan life to follow Yahweh. This son of an outsider marries an outsider and becomes the great-grandfather of King David. All these people are in the genealogy of Jesus. This story isn't just a fairy tale about the single girl getting married and finally having babies. It's about God working through loss, depression, longing, and famine to advance His plan to redeem His people. Even as the Israelites spiral into wickedness more every day, hang in there, Israel. Your king is coming. An earthly one first, then a divine one. And he's where the joy is. Alright, I just want to leave you all off with a daily devotional to take with you today. Be on guard against the pity, against the pit of self-pity. When you are weary or unwell, this demonic trap is the greatest danger you face. Don't even go near the edge of the pit. Its edges crumble easily, and before you know it, you are on your way down. It is ever so much harder to get out of the pit than to keep a safe distance from it. That is why I tell you to be on guard. There are several ways to protect yourself from self-pity. When you are occupied with praising and thanking me, it is impossible to feel sorry for yourself. Also, 
The closer you live to me, the more distance there is between you and the pit. Live in the light of my presence by fixing your eyes on me. Then you will be able to run with endurance the race that is set before you without stumbling or falling. Thank you all for tuning into this episode. I hope you all have a great day and God bless each and every one of you.